welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It, episode 124. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell came up with an amazing topic for this week. But before we get to that, I want to give some much overdue shout outs to a few of our listeners who have written in who have not received a reply yet. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I figured instead of just continuing to delay and delay, I thought, why not just give everybody a shout out on the show? And hope that that's cool because we've gotten amazing ideas from our listeners. We always do. And I've been a little slow on the inbox. So I want to give a shout out to Richard Hunston, Sophia in Italy, Ben Perlman. I've put your ideas in the bank. We appreciate them so much. I thank you in advance for your patience for, for uh, my delayed reply because usually I handle the replies to our listener emails. And as always, we really appreciate it from everybody who has ever written in or who will write in because it really helps us out. It gives us, even if we don't specifically use your idea, it kind of gets our wheels turning in our brain. Like we we might like graft it onto another idea or we might combine them or it might just spark inspiration for something completely different. And so if you guys want to write in and you never have, go to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form, it'll send us an email. You can also find us all over on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Our show Twitter is join the nerd party. You can find me uh, individually on the on Twitter at the Insane Robin and Char, where can they find you if they want to write in? You can find me at Oh the Profanity on Twitter. That's right. And so there's so many different ways that you can contact us to give us all these great ideas because we have some of the best listeners out there. We really do. And we do appreciate your interaction because of what you just mentioned, Tristan, the inspiration. You guys help us spark ideas all the time. Absolutely. So you were talking about how, how great my idea was. It totally is. So why don't you tell everybody what it is? Okay, so as you know, the show is called Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. And one thing that I thought about the other day, because I was lost in space, like actually I was... um, You were in space? I was caught in a commute. And I, oh. have, a, I have a very long commute where it used to be about 45 minutes, but things have changed and now it's like an hour. And oh, I brutal. drive for an hour in traffic and it's just the worst I try to listen to podcasts, I try to listen to audiobooks or comedy albums, things like that, anything to distract me. But sometimes I'll just like I'll be stuck in standstill traffic and I'll zone out safely and <laughs> I will imagine myself in space as in getting lost in space. I will get I will imagine myself on the bridge of the Enterprise or on an away, miss away mission on the Delta Flyer and it's started getting me thinking like I've done this my entire life. I've literally done this my entire <laughs> life since I was born and first watched TNG. And I feel like Star Trek fans have a rich fantasy life. I mean, of course we do, right? I mean, deep down, we are all just Reg Barkley, right? If we had decks, we would be severe addicts. But we have our brains. And if you as a Trek fan have not envisioned yourself on the Enterprise or traveling to strange new worlds, you're lying. 
you're absolutely lying because that's the beauty of science fiction is that you can use your imagination to place yourself in the story or create your new stories. And that is writing, whether you actually write it down or not, like you're writing a scenario in your head. And so we may be stretching the definition a little bit this episode, but I don't care because I want to talk <laughs> about Star Trek fantasies. That's what we want to talk about this week is what have our personal Star Trek fantasies been? Have we written them out? Have we just written them in our heads? And what have they been and how have they changed? You know, like what have we done? What were we thinking about when we were kids? What do we think about now? And so I want to know from you, Shar, when I discuss this topic with you, what's the first thing that popped into your head? The first thing that popped into my head was at the age of 13 when Voyager had just debuted, I'm imagining myself on that bridge, baby. You know I was. It's. I knew you were going to say that because that was that was one of the first things that popped in my head too. It wasn't the first thing that I ever did. Yeah, or, same. Or fantasized about or, or, or wrote, but it was definitely the first thing that popped in my head because when Voyager aired, I was in middle school, and middle school is the worst thing that America has ever invented, except for high and school. <laughs> 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 you had a worse time in high school. I had a worse time in middle school. Okay, and so there, okay, context, yes context and so it was just voyager was 100 percent my escape the show the novels the soundtrack the, the novels. fan fiction everything was beautiful and it was a, it was it was and honestly <laughs> no nothing hurt nothing was horrible there were no bullies there was no racial tension there was no violence there was no teachers who didn't give a crap about you there was there was no drama with the opposite sex it was just that's it. Like I was able to close my eyes and imagine myself on Voyager 74656 and just escape. I needed that escape. This was a healthy escapism. Not all escapism is healthy, but this one was. And so there, like basically every night I would go to sleep, I'd close my eyes and I would try to force myself to dream about being on the bridge of Voyager, just being on the ship. And I developed this, <laughs> this fantasy life of when I would go to sleep, I'd wake up in Voyager. Like I'd wake Love up it. in the show. I would be a part of their of their crew. Like they would know me by name. I'd be Tristan Riddell. I like the first time that like I imagined that the first time it happened, I would get checked out by the dock and I'd be in sick bay. Chakotay and Jane would walk in, and say, Where are you from? How'd you appear on my ship? And I'd say <laughs> something like, Well, I just fell asleep. I'm from Urbana, Illinois, in the United States. And in my reality, you're a TV show. <laughs> and they say, like, what are you talking about? And so, like, I would be from a parallel dimension where Voyager was a TV show. And I, and I would say, like, listen, like, you're Catherine Janeway. I know everything about you. I read Mosaics. And that's how I would convince them that I knew everything <laughs> about them. And they would think, like, oh, is he a telepath? Is he, you know, like, is he this? Is he that? Is he an alien sure. in disguise? And I said, I was like, listen, like, I read Pathways, too. Chicote. I know your deal. You know, like, like, uh, uh, like, <laughs> I know everybody's just... life story. Thank you very much. And so, like, I would talk to these people and I'd say, like, yeah, your name is Catherine Janeway. But in my reality, your name is Kate Mulgrew. And <laughs> I love this so much. And so I, I this was all developed in my head like I had. And so they they set me up in quarters and I fell asleep. And when I fell asleep in my quarters, I woke up back home. And then you're back in your real life. And I'm back in my real life. I'd go throughout my day. I'd do whatever I needed to do. And then as soon as I'd fall asleep again, I'd wake up in Voyager. And I'd be like, what happened? And they're like, where'd you go? And I was like, I was back home. And so this would happen 
after a while, and then it just became routine. Now, this, of course, is all a story. Like, it didn't ha- like I didn't imagine that this actually happened, and I didn't have that dream every single night. But that is how the story evolved in my head, was that I just became a member of the crew, and I would just be there for eight hours a day because I, I slept eight it. hours a day. So you kind of were doing the Reg Barkley, at least Voyager version like that, where he would go on Voyager and he'd sleep there and that would be his Mm -hmm. thing. Now, did you have a cat named Neelix? That's the important thing. I did not have a cat like Neelix, but I did cook with Neelix. He tried to teach me how to cook and I was just like, I don't think this is working. I don't think this Ah! is beneficial. (laughs) You know, things like that. And like, I I think there was a, a few times when... I was kind of like the Neelix role, though, because obviously I can't do anything on a starship. Like, I, like I, even in my fantasies, I was smart enough and self-aware enough where I'm just like, I can't fly anything. Like, I'm not, I don't have the math skills to do this. And so what I did was I was like, I, I've seen the show. I've seen up to the season. I think like at this time it was like up to season six. Uh-huh. And I think I jumped in at season three was when my fantasy like started. It, okay. like, where, like where like I started it. I was like, I was still in the Jennifer Lean years. Okay, yeah, yeah. And and but I in my reality I watched up to season 6. And so I would try to give my knowledge as much as I could. Like, listen, this is going to happen. You're going to run into the Borgs or like <gasps> but then like like Catherine Janeway and Chicote were just like, "Okay, no, no. Like don't tell us about this." Temporal Prime Directive, sir. Like and they said that like Temporal Prime Directive. I'm like, "But I'm not from the future. I'm from a parallel dimension where I know what's going to happen." They're like, "It doesn't it doesn't matter. Stop telling us about this." And so that was a common theme where that would go back and forth where Janeway would say, like, to hell with it. Like, tell me what's going to happen. I'm like, I can't tell you what's going to happen, Catherine. Of course Catherine. she did. <laughs> I love how in character she is, even in your fantasies. Yeah, it, it, it totally worked. And, like, this went, on for, this went on for a while. This went on for, like, three years where I would, you know, oh, like, wow. I would go back. Okay, I was and, just about to ask, too. How long did this go on? Yeah. And there was even a time... When I first met my future mother-in-law, where I was very serious with, obviously, with my wife, uh, like at the time, like like we were just dating, we weren't engaged yet, and I kind of wanted to show her, I wanted to show my mother, my future mother-in-law how nerdy I actually was. No joke. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to show her what her daughter was getting into. This was a specific <laughs> choice. Yes. And I talked, no I talked about the Voyager thing. I can't remember how it came up in conversation, but I said, I was like, every time I close my eyes, I am on that ship. And what did she think? You, she did not say anything. She just kind of had this look on her face like, okay, all right, weirdo. Going to write that down, log that for later. But I have an amazing relationship with my mother-in-law. I love her dearly. She loves me. And she loves how nerd I am because I can fix her computer. But it, yes, <laughs> it, it, it all worked out. Typical parent of millennials Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm having a problem on the computer. Can you look at this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my mom does that to me all the time, too. Whenever I'm back home, hey, uh, could you check in on this thing? Can you make sure it's okay? Yes, mom, yes. Also, it was really hard not to hit on Bellana while I was there. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Because you've you've always had a little bit of a, a crush, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and the thing is, though, is that like even in this fantasy world where I could do whatever I wanted... I didn't hit on Bellana because I knew that she needed to be with Tom and I wanted her to figure that out. And also, I was a middle schooler, so, you know. <laughs> you didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance. She's a little old for you. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer to think of it as I was a little young for her. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> and she wasn't going to wait around for you to mature and grow up. 
It just right, right. wasn't in the cards. Well, that was very considerate of you to that have was her... That was my biggest thing. Like, that was my probably my biggest and most impactful fantasy life that I led that was consistent in, wow. in middle school. I mean, like, I've had several other fantasies and you know, like stories that I've written in my head and everything like that. Like, do you, can you go any more in depth like I did about yours? Yeah, well, I don't think I had anything quite as long ongoing as you did. And my, my fantasies were a little more abstract, where I talked at the very top of the show how I'd envisioned myself on the bridge. And so I'm imagining myself, say, at Ensign Kim's station, but I'm not doing anything concrete. I'm not actually solving any problems. I'm just there listening to the hum of the engines, looking at the view screen and just kind of checking out everybody there. I'm pressing random buttons because I don't know what I'm actually doing. And since it's my fantasy, I don't need to save anything. It can just be whatever I want. I'm overhearing Janeway and Chakotay talking about things. And I remember one particular instance where I envisioned them going off to the ready room together. And I have no idea what I was thinking. Like, are they going to go make out? Uh, <laughs> are they going to have some deep conversation I can't be a part of? And I'm just thinking, hmm, well, that's interesting. My, I was 13. Very naive. <laughs> and for whatever reason, though, that just popped into my head. Now, other fantasies that I've had on Voyager... One of the things that really did help me get through high school, because by then I was already clinically depressed and did not know it, and longtime listeners kind of know that story. If you don't know that story, that's what you need to know. I would often put myself in Catherine Janeway's shoes. How would Janeway deal with, with various situations? Now, fortunately, mm -hmm. in high school or middle school, I wasn't bullied. I, I didn't have a whole lot of problems as far as like school life went. Nobody was on my case. I got good grades. I was just kind of an outsider, though, and didn't really talk to a whole lot of people, and I was just sort of suffering through the whole thing. So as far as the depression goes, uh, the episode night, we've talked at length about that in previous years back episodes about Janeway dealing with her depression, the portrayal of depression on television, and Voyager in particular. Um, a lot of times, the fact that Janeway was going through things, and it was Janeway, our, my hero, mm -hmm. it... it, it made it relatable like and if she can persist i can persist so she kind of gave me hope in that sense definitely and i think you, you've as you've said you've touched on this before and we've talked at length about this and it's just that is one beauty of fiction is that that yes they're not real people and yes they're written by real people and they're written by a team of people but when you have a character that is fleshed out and fully developed and is as awesome as Janeway, it allows us to figure out what would they do. Like it allows us to yes. see a weekly inspiration of someone who is right and good and true and who wants the best for their crew and tries to like who fails but has a good heart. And when we have good role models on television, especially good female role models on television that it can give us guidance that sometimes, I know this is going to sound sad, but sometimes real life examples can't give us because we don't get to view real life examples all the time every single week. We don't, sometimes sure. our real world examples are an abusive father or right. a indifferent mother or a brother who you know, like who hates us or a teacher that is disinterested or, you know, like sometimes people have no positive real-world examples, so they have to turn to fiction. 
Yes, I'm so glad you said that. A lot of people will say to people who speak out, oh, you know, this person has been my role model, helped me through so much, and is a fictitious character. And a lot of people scoff at that, but they Mm -hmm. shouldn't. Because for a lot of us, that is the hope and the inspiration and the guidance that we need. And I mean, not to, I don't want people to think my mother's a horrible person, but when I was depressed and in high school, she didn't know what she was dealing with. Frankly, neither did I. We both thought it was just teenage crap. Mm -hmm. And so looking to Catherine Janeway as a strong role model helped me through that. But you know what else she did? She really fostered my sense of wanting independence. It's like, I can do this. I can go out there. I'm going to punch through my way through things, just like Catherine Janeway did. She kind of gave me a, a nice mentality to aspire to in that sense. But we're not here to talk just about role models. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that that kind of thing, I mean, like, regardless of topic, regardless of, like, what's your Star Trek fantasy, this pulls into the very core of why we have these kind of fantasies is because we want to be around these people. It's true. We want to have these types of characteristics or at least be around these types of characteristics because sometimes they're lacking in our own personal life. Now, some people, again, might say that that's unhealthy. Like if you have if you have no real life examples, then you need to go find it. You need to go outside your comfort zone. I say yes, but with a caveat of as long as it's healthy. If you have an unhealthy obsession right. with fiction, that is where it goes bad. Obviously, we're not saying go towards the unhealthy. Obviously, we're not saying okay, you need to go into a depression or self-harm because your character got killed off. No one is saying that. No, 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 no. What we're saying is is that sometimes for people, this is their only positive outlook until they can actually get into a positive real-life situation. For real. And so if that's what you're hanging on to to get through whatever is going on in your life, that is okay. Just stay grounded in reality, you know? I mean, yeah, you can't be off in fantasy land forever. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I'm so glad you said that. Like, stay grounded in reality. You can have your head in the clouds as long as it's only sometimes and as long as it's not forcing you to do unhealthy things, whether that's not take care of yourself or abuse um, certain relationships or neglect certain relationships or work or whatever it is. Yeah. It's okay to live in this fantasy world but you don't want to go the Reg Barkley route where it's hurting things in real life. Right. Use that as an example, too. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of actual fantasies, though, a lot... I mean, by the time Voyager was coming around, I wasn't necessarily, you know, doing, like, play scenes. Because my mind went there, too. That was more my TNG years. We're talking early 90s where I wanted to go have a session with Counselor Troy. And what would that be like? <laughs> and so I would, like, play act those things out. I speak like you just now reminded me of something that I did in middle school uh, where like I did do play act all the time. Like I didn't even care. Like I was I was probably too old for it. I don't even care because I had one I had one friend. I had more than one friend in middle school, but there was one friend who was a Trekkie Uh and he lived in my neighborhood and we would hang out all the time. Like we were obsessed with Voyager together. Nice. And and there was there was so times like we'd be in his room or in my room and we would play out a scene where we had our own characters. Like, I think his character, sometimes he would pretend to be the captain of the ship of Voyager. Other times he'd be like EXO. I always try to go towards like the aliens or like the weird stuff. Like, I imagined that I was a liberated Borg 
along with Janeway. Nice. And so we would do entire episodes improv. We would just improv entire episodes. We wouldn't talk about it beforehand. It would just the yes and mentality where he'd say like, oh no, the Borg are off the starboard bow. And we'd be like, okay, well, let's use the new deflector dish tech stuff, you know, la da la da la. And we would just go back and forth, like moving around his room. And there were times when we would get so angry with each other because we wouldn't follow a specific storyline or <laughs> like like I would take it in a different direction and he would say like, that's not where I wanted to take it. But it, we wouldn't let it out until the very end of our session, of our episode. And he, we would just be screaming at each other like, who are you to do this? Like the storyline was going this way and like, <laughs> like, like, screw you. And like the one time his mom came in and said like, is everything okay, boys? And we're like, we're fine. We're fine. It's fine. <laughs> You're just in your own writer's room really trying to hash this thing out and things are getting heated and intense. When you're breaking a story and and you've got two different visions going on, this can happen. Yes, absolutely. And so essentially I've been doing punch it for my entire life. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Me too. And a lot of our listeners I'm sure have too. (laughs) So one of the other fantasies that I had on TNG that I loved acting out, I remember specifically like being at my grandma's house She had a kitchen with like a little bit of an island on it. And I imagined her kitchen was 10 forward. And I I was at all of 10 years old, but I was Guinan's assistant making drinks and tending bar and cleaning the tables and whatnot. And so, you know, random people would show up. Oh, hi, Commander Riker. What can I get you tonight? You know, (laughs) I would do that for hours. It's funny how, like you did say that every once in a while you would put yourself in Janeway's shoes. Mm-hmm. But it's funny how most of the time, with both of us, most of the time, our fantasy life is not us in cor- is not us being inside somebody else's skin. Like we are additions. We're side characters. We're yes. We're we're kind of observers. We're interacting on the sidelines and yeah, in- inserting ourselves in the story a little bit. Yeah, but we're we not just the want main to be a focus. part of the action. That's all. I think that's what it is, is that we love these people so much. We love this this franchise so much that we want it to play out how it plays out. We just kind of want to be a little bit more present. Yeah, I think a part of it just comes from the fact that we're in our younger years and maybe we're not, maybe not able to conceive of full storylines at that point that's full of action and whatnot. That's too much work. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. We just want to be involved in a scene. At least that was the yeah. case for me. I have a specific one that I remember where and I actually, actually, I did end up writing this out, and I don't know if this is somewhere in my parents' attic still or not, but I envisioned this scene where I was acting out, I was Guinan's assistant, Worf falls asleep at the counter in 10 forward, and Guinan goes up to Worf, kind of taps him on the shoulder, Worf, no response, Worf, hello, nothing, and so then she screams, Worf, and he goes, oh, yes, firing phaser, sir. And, and I'm just there kind of in the background laughing a little bit. And then he realizes where he is, comes to, is a little embarrassed by the moment. Kind of does like a Picard thing where he straightens out his uniform and says, I must be going now. And he walks out. I love that. It was the introduction to some story I had. I, I have no idea what happened from there. But I remember that scene very explicitly because it's like I was in the scene, but I was also storyboarding it. Kind of strange, and yet that's where my mind was at all of 12 years old. The first time I wrote something um, was when we got a brand new com- – we got our first computer. Ooh, I was yes. Four or, I was four or five 
So it was like 1990 or 91. Oh, okay. Early. Yeah, this was very early. And it was my grandfather's old computer. Like my grandfather was always on the cutting edge of technology. Like he always had a, a brand new computer, like the top of the line, like that was his deal. And so he'd always give us his old one whenever he got a new one. Well, this is like, this was his nice. first time replacing something. And so we got our first computer and it was like really tiny So what monitor. was the computer? It was, I can't remember. It wasn't a Mac, but it wasn't a Commodore either, but it was a really tiny screen. It was green. You know, uh-huh. like the green screen. Oh, yeah. You know? And the printer had that, um, it was that. Oh, like a dot matrix printer? Yeah, it was a dot matrix printer that has that little f- fringe on the side that you can peel off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really all that we had back in those days, at least for personal computers. Like, it basically had a word processor and solitaire. That was it. <laughs> that's all that it it had on it like in a calculator and that was i was just like i was like this is amazing like this is a game changer and i was only four or five and i remember typing up a star trek story on it Uh now my star trek story was like three sentences it was just like and then picard fires the phasers and like engage make it so you know like just basically just that and of course i typed (laughs) with like one finger at a time Sure, because at five, you don't know how to type. At least back yeah, then, we weren't taught how to type at that age. Right, exactly. And I remember printing it out and then waiting a day for it to finish. <laughs> yes, yes. And then I remember I had so much space on the bottom of the page. I was like, I'm not going to waste this space. So I, would draw, I drew the scene. I drew nice. the whole, the arch of Wharf Station. I drew the three chairs and I drew a bald man, you know, pointing and i'm gage and that was my that was my first experience with fan fiction and you know like a new computer was like three sentences of oh my god picard saying engage make it so all at once you know i love that so much that is so adorable and that sparks so many memories of the very first computer i got that was 1994 for me it was a macintosh performa which had a i want to say eight megabyte hard drive no joke. Nice. <laughs> and a nice. three and a half inch floppy drive. And it was the coolest thing because it had Claris Works. And if you don't know what Claris Works is, it was basically the Macintosh equivalent of Microsoft Office at that point. Right. I was like, wait, why do I know that? Why do I know that? Yeah, you could you could freehand draw, you could word process. I'm sure there were spreadsheets, but I didn't care about that at that point. And so I remember two distinct things that I did. One thing I did is I tried to recreate the Star Trek Voyager logo Mm -hmm. with all the shades of gold and whatnot freehand. It was awful. And then um, I was putting it into a newsletter. I was going to do a Trek newsletter, right? So that was going to be my header. So that was one thing I did. And then the other thing, um, I went through all the fonts, of course. And for whatever reason, like I was really into The Tonight Show. So I recreated that logo with the fonts I had installed on that computer. (laughs) And I just thought that was the most incredible thing ever. Because in my mind, it was really close. I have no idea if it was. But is it any wonder, really, that I was paving the way then to become a graphic designer and become a font nerd? I mean, I really was setting the stage for all these things. And I just realized how far back that really goes just now. Well, because you brought that up, it made me think about something else in my own life. And it's just interesting that, you know, like we, you and I were at the perfect age for the technology boom. You know, like the personal computing boom. Like we were there. We were present. We were young enough to remember the old days. 
um, and old enough to see it moving forward. And yeah, it's interesting that like whenever we got a new piece of technology, you and I were immediately like, how can I make this about Star Trek? Star Trek. Trek. Yes. Okay. Question for you. When did you discover the internet? Discover or have it? Like, what do you mean? Um, well, okay. I guess it's two different things for me because a friend of mine introduced me to the internet in 1994 on her Macintosh computer, but I didn't actually get the internet in my house until 1995. I think my grandfather was the first one to have it, the first one I knew to have it. And it was really just for email. Like that's pretty much all he used it for was email communication. And he never really looked up stuff too terribly much. And it's it's kind of vague back then. But that friend that I was telling you about in middle school, who was the the Trekkie, he had internet. And that was a big deal because like no one else in the neighborhood had internet. Exactly. Yeah, same. And so I would go over to his house. I'd be like, hey, let's look up Star Trek stuff. And he's like, well, I got to watch Gundam Wing. So you go do whatever you want on, on the computer. And so, yeah, that's when I would just immediately like go to StarTrek.com and you know, like try to. F- so I think that's when I re- like it wasn't until middle school that I really started using the Internet. Like I was using computers for, you know, since 1990, but not the Internet until middle school much later. Uh-huh. And. Because like in computers, like you could like I went to computer camp when I was younger and in fifth grade. You like, nerd. I love it. Like we had oh yeah, hardcore nerd. And like in fifth grade, like my teacher was the one that had all the computers of the entire school in her room. So we would play games, we would do calculations, we would do like Sim City and stuff like that. Yeah. And what I'm building to is that Starship Creator. Do you remember Starship Creator? No, I never did this. What is it? Starship Creator was one of the first Star Trek computer games where you would basically choose a type of ship and you could swap out the saucer, you could swap out the nacelles, you can make your own version of whatever that class was, like whether it was Constitution, Miranda, Sovereign, Galaxy, basically what you do with STO now uh-huh. You could do at a much more basic level with Starship Creator. And but on top of that, like you could you could try to trick it out and send it on missions, but it was it was you couldn't see the missions. Like it wasn't it was very like story based. It was kinda uh, I'm I'm blanking on the terms, but like you could like you could add certain like you had certain amount of credits where you could div like you say you started out with a hundred credits to build your ship. Uh-huh. Like you could like you could get a certain type of nacelles for five credits. You could get a certain type of saucer for 10 credits, but then you had to leave credits over for your crew because it's just like, okay, well, you know, Riker's going to cost you 20 credits where <laughs> Tuvok is only going to cost you 11 credits or something like that. And so you had uh-huh. you had to manage your credits in order to build your dream crew as also build your dream ship. And the more missions you went on, like the more credits you got. And so you could upgrade and and do this. And so me and my friend took this very seriously i bet you did and it was it was so basic it was basically just like oh you sent you sent out your ship on a mission uh, it came back with 0.5 damage and then 0.5 increase of credits you know stuff like that <laughs> right that's about as complex as games could get at that time and it was awesome like i remember i just remember like saying like i gotta have Riker, i gotta have kira 
uh, you know, like I can't afford Picard right now, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh huh. Oh, that sounds so interesting. I don't know how or why I missed that entirely, but I never, I've never heard of that game until just now. Um, a lot of the games that I, I, I remember playing Mahjong for the first time, like that was a really big deal when we had time left over in my typing class, actually. Yeah, a lot of people played Solitaire, and I played that for a little while, but a friend of mine next to me, she was playing Mahjong, and I'm like, ooh, what's that game? And mm-hmm. I, I really got into Mahjong for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but with these like with these computers and with this new technology and this new way to dis- to explore you know, new realms of Star Trek, it just fed more into our fantasy life. It, it, it oh, just, like, 100%. that's the thing. Is that, like, this Starship creator thing, I was able to throw myself into that ship where, like, even if it was all mainly text-based text based with just a few pictures, you were able to name your ship, you were able to think about it, you were able to put yourself onto the crew. I mean, not literally, but, you like, you would just imagine, you're like, it's the USS whatever yeah, and it got to be your world. It was your world, and so you would just not get consumed by it, but you'd throw yourself into it. And that also, because of that, it got me into drawing more starships. I mean, we've all drawn a starship. Oh, but absolutely. But I started getting, like, super complex with it. Like, I started going really in-depth. Like, because of Starship Creator, I would go blueprint style. I would, like, nice. draw aft view and fore view and dorsal view and, and everything like that. And I would try to limit myself with, I'm like, okay, don't go crazy. Try to stay within Starfleet style. See <laughs> if this would actually work. Do you need that extra nacelle? You know, do you need the wings? You know, like, that kind of thing. And it just fed more into, like, everything fed more and more into the fantasy life. Yeah, that's so cool. Now, my story about getting into the internet, friend introduced it to me. And this was America Online, back when that was the one of the most popular ways to get on the internet. They mm-hmm. had Star Trek message boards. There's like a Star Trek section you could find on science fiction. I remember you talking about that. Yes. Yeah, the that was boards. my introduction. Yeah. And then when I got onto the internet proper, I discovered these little things called news groups, which were a big thing at the time. It was you know alt.rec.startrek.tv or something like that. That's where I discovered fan fiction because there was alt.startrek.creative. And what you did is you had a little app that you downloaded the latest posts from, you know, whatever, like the last 24 hours or since you last downloaded or what have you. And people discussed fan fiction. They published their stories there. You could read them. You could send feedback. And that was my introduction to that. Like, oh, there's this whole world of people exchanging more Star Trek stories. Well, I want in on this. So... I read voraciously, I wrote voraciously, and thus, I mean, there was no going back after that. I have never told anybody this. I don't think I have. I don't think I've talked about it on the show before, or at least our previous show to the journey. But with inter- like with the internet, I also discovered fan fiction because like when you're typing in Star Trek, you know, obviously that's going to come up. Like whenever you're searching for something, that's going to come up. My first experience with fan fiction was erotic fan fiction. Oh, I mean, that's always a part of it, right? I mean, the internet was full of porn even back then. But the thing is, I didn't know what it was. Oh. <laughs> Oops. When I found it, like, I'm not saying that I was some sort of horny kid who was just like, oh, yeah, give me the erotic fan fiction. I saw it. I saw fan fiction. Yeah. And I didn't understand what the labels meant. Oh, the just, rating? Yeah, because it didn't straight up say erotica. <laughs> And so I just, I was just like, oh, Star Trek stories, fantastic. And so I click on it and I'm like, 
Deanna, what are you doing? And <laughs> and I I think that's why I st- have stayed away from it for so long. It's because my first experience was, oh my God, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I never went back to it. Oh, how funny. Okay, here's my introduction to erotic fan fiction is because when you're reading all the fan fiction, you're inevitably coming up with something with an NC-17 rating. And I'm so sorry, authors, even though you put in the disclaimer, if you're underage, do not read it. What do you think I did? Hello, it's in front of my face. I'm going to read it. So I'm 14 at this point. I learned a lot of things about sex through erotic fan fiction. (laughs) Uh, I thankfully didn't because it it hit me right away. And I was just like, oh my God, what am I reading? And then I ran away. (laughs) Now, like, Images. Uh, that's kind of where initially I was like, oh, I don't want to see Bolana doing that. Oh, th- y'all, thank goodness. This was no. back in the days of really horrible photoshopping where you're actually in MS Paint and you just cut out Bolana's head and put it onto some other image and it was really awful. And I'm just like, ew, no, no, no. I'll stick with the words. Thanks. Yeah, thank goodness the, the, the erotic fan fiction that I, I accidentally stumbled upon did not have accompanying pictures. Oh, so yeah, that it might have scarred you for more. life. Uh, but moving on. Uh, <laughs> now that said, you know what? Back in those days, there were a couple of authors out there who not only wrote their own fan fiction, but they did make illustrations of it. Not erotic illustrations, but to accompany with their text, you know, like a, like an actual story. And I remember a couple of them were really well done. I don't remember ever seeing that. I I never even stumbled upon that. That's really interesting. That's really cool. I wonder if they're still out there. I'm going to have to Google it now and see if, like, I remember particularly a couple of images of Janeway. Somebody drew just really nice, like, almost resistance era, like, where she's wearing the long hair and she's in civilian clothing, but it's in Mm -hmm. her story. Nice. Yeah, I'll see if I can't find it. Now, one thing, even though, you know, like, it was TNG, like, in our era, it was TNG, then Deep Space Nine, then Voyager, I, you know, like, I had... You know, a fantasy life with TNG. I had fantasy, a deep fantasy life with Voyager. I never really did with Deep Space Nine. Me neither. And I think a part of it was because I didn't get into Deep Space Nine right away. I didn't Same get here. into actually watching DS9 every week until season three when TNG was off the air. So that was the new Star Trek I was going to get. I watched every episode, like when it was aired. But I feel like I was too young to truly appreciate it. And I mm. didn't really get into Deep Space Nine until college. Mm. Yeah. Makes some sense. And I think I think that's the thing, is that like I like it was funny because like I watched every episode, but I forgotten so much. And then I got a hold of the episodes um in certain ways. And yes. and so I would just I just binge them. Like I would just I'd watch like four episodes a night. Like I'd be laying in, I'd like, this is when like I'd be, I was home for the summer. Uh-huh. So it was during college, but I was home for the summer. And so the family would be asleep and it would be like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to watch four episodes of Deep Space Nine then. And I would just lay in bed and watch them on my computer. And I was just like, holy crap, what on earth was I missing? Like, I didn't get this. I didn't get that. Like, I've forgotten that. I was like, this is some amazing storytelling. But even then, I feel like I was a little too old to, once I got into college, my my fantasy life kind of died a little bit. Mm, and so, Because you had to grow up? Because I had to grow up, essentially. Eh, whatever. I hate that part <laughs> of ourselves that makes us think, oh, you're too old for this. 
Well, screw off. Maybe not. <laughs> you know, as adults, we should really try to actively counteract that. Imagination is good for everybody. Imagination is key. And both you and I are in creative aspects of our professional careers. And it's it's something that you got to have. And maybe it's why we do what we do. Maybe it's why we yeah. podcast like this and have a show about writing in Star Trek. But I it's something so. that you definitely need to hold on to. I think it's beneficial because it's an outlet. It's fun. And it doesn't crush your soul like other things in this existence. <laughs> right. Yes. Which is actually why I think as adults, we should hang on to that fiercely. Because the world will try and beat you down. So whatever salvation you can get, don't let go of that. You need it. Hang on to it. It's good for you. So to close the show, because I feel, we're, feel like we're rounding third here. We are. Yes. If you had a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Where nothing was nothing was going on. You're sitting in your chair. You know, Patrick is getting groceries or something. <laughs> the cat's on your lap. You got a, a nice hot cup of tea, uh, blankets over your legs, and the TV's not on, no music is playing. It's just a lovely day. Maybe it's a little stormy. Okay? Like mm, it's it's a little gray a perfect outside. Perfect writing mood. Yeah. Perfect writing mood. You like your 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 pen and paper are across the room. And yeah. you already have a cat you have a cat in your lap, so you know that you can't get up. But you want to have a little fantasy. You want to write a story about you and Star Trek. What do you do at that moment? Oh, you're putting me on the spot and I love it. So if I'm just sitting here with the cat and immersing myself and I'm trying to storyboard in my head, I'm going to Voyager. I'm going to my comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm probably going to start out with scenelets. I'm not going to start out with a big story idea to start. I'm going to think of little moments and then I might think how can I tie them in to maybe a bigger story at large and how do what I, what do I want for the outcome of that story? That's kind of how I write. So the first place my brain has gone to is the mess hall. <laughs> and I I'm kind of early Janeway-esque where I'm wandering around in the kitchen, various things are boiling. Maybe I'm searching around for coffee. I probably am <laughs> because I love coffee just as much as Janeway. And I'm curious about these little weird dumpling-like things that are cooking. Neelix is nowhere to be found, strangely enough. I don't know why. Um, He's neglecting his kitchen. Things are eventually going to burn. I hope he comes back. But anyway, I'm flipping over the dumplings because one side does look cooked. It's time. Do that. Go over to the other things. Oh, there's a bunch of raw ingredients. I see Leola root. Why? Neelix comes in. Hey, Neelix. What are you doing with the Leola root? Guess what? It's going into tonight's dinner. I am making a mental note to use some replicator rations for dinner that night. Boom. Explosion. The ship's been hit. Oh, shit. I got re to report to my station. I'm going to the bridge. Combat situation. It's the Kazon. Oh, God. The Kazon again? Why are we doing this? Now what? Let's see. My mind just blanked. Darn it. I was on a roll. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's that's how you think. That's how you fantasize. That's, that's how you have That's story. where I was going. Now, do I, should I do the same uh, on to you? Should I turn the tables and say, what in that situation are you thinking of? Uh, you know what? I, I'm trying to think. Like, um, it's hard for me because... If I was home, I don't have any animals. If I was home, it was the uh, same kind of conditions where it's a Sunday afternoon, you know, a little bit rainy. And the, you know, like my my wife and my baby are out doing their own thing. They're having fun. And I'm home. I, I've been spoiled by video games. 
Mm, I feel like that's the problem is that like I've been spoiled by instant immersion into a fantasy world and that's what video games are. And so my brain immediately goes to Batman because I've been playing Arkham Knight like for the 15th time lately. (laughs) Uh But if I force myself to to not go into the Batman realm and go into the Star Trek realm, it's hard for me to say because I feel I've been thinking a lot about Picard. Yeah, and yeah, you know, Star, and Star Trek Picard, like, and you and I just a couple of weeks ago, you know, started talking about like the in between time. So I feel like that's where my brain would go. Is that like I would be with Picard along his journey. Like I would go to his chateau. I, you know, I would talk to him. Like we'd we would do basically non Star Trek things together. And like it would be like I would go like I'd work in his vineyard with him. I would talk to him. I would be I would try to be like seven of nine where I'm just like, listen, you got to get out of here. You know, you got to you got to move on. We got to we got to go do something like I'm like in it with him for some reason. I'm like, we got to go do something. Let's get back on a ship. Let's go see what Will and Deanna are doing. Let's go. Let's go see what Jordy's doing. You know, like uh, let's let's get our command back. Let's at least be an advisor on something. Like that's immediately where my brain goes is that mm. I'm at the beginnings of the Picard show and I'm the one instead of seven of nine trying to push him out of complacency and <laughs> I go along with him on the ride. I love it. So you're going to be Picard's right hand man yeah. and I'm going to be on Voyager cooking Neelix's food that he has neglected and then senior the on. For whatever reason, over the intercom, senior officers report to the bridge. I'm a senior officer apparently. I initially didn't conceive of that, but I'm on the bridge. So, yeah. hmm, interesting insight into our psyches here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, folks. That was the episode about our fantasy life within the realm of Star Trek. We would love to hear what you guys have to say. Like, when was your first experience with fantasizing about Star Trek? Do you still do it? Is this how you write stories? Are you a passive observer of new stories? Or are you integrated into it? And which show... Uh, did you start with and which show would you go to now like pretty much anything you want to talk about let us know we we talked about how you can contact us yeah yeah if you can share any of these that would be fantastic yes. we'd love to hear it maybe we'll read some on the show if we get a few and yeah that'd be and, fun and if you want like a if you do write about your star trek fantasies and you don't want it read on the show let us know in that email if you do want yes. it read in the show also let us know as well please we will always respect uh, your wishes. And sometimes if you just want to talk to us, that's fine too. Like we'll just uh, we'll just hear what you have to say and we won't talk about it on air. But yeah, uh, we talked about it at the top of the show on how you can reach us. Uh, just go to thenerdparty.com for everything that you could possibly need. And uh, next week is going to be a lot of fun. It may not be about fantasy life, but we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.